Turn to Zechariah, Zechariah chapter number 10. Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, and then into the New Testament, Matthew. Zechariah chapter number 10. Don't know how long it'll be tonight, but uh, just if I'm short, it'll give us more time to pray. Pray for Pastor, he's not feeling well today as well. Zechariah chapter number 10, starting in verse 1. And there it says, Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of latter rain, so the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to every one grass in the field. For the idols have spoken vanity, and the diviners have seen a lie and have told false dreams. They comfort in vain. Therefore, they went their way as a flock, and they were troubled because there was no shepherd. Mine eyes, or sorry, my anger was kindled against the shepherds, and I published and I punished the goats. For the Lord of hosts has visited his flock, the house of Judah, and hath made them as goodly horse in the battle. Out of him came forth the corner, out of him the nail, out of him the battle bow, out of him every oppressor together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you, Lord, that we can gather. Thank you, Lord, for these people that have come to gather in your house to pray. Your house uh, is called a house of prayer. And Lord, I pray that uh, your name would be uplifted, Lord, as we do pray this evening that we would have an impact, Lord, that we'd hear from heaven. Uh, so, Lord, just as we take a little bit of time, I pray that you give me wisdom on, on what to speak, Lord. Uh, you'd be with me, Lord, that the hearts of the people here would be attentive, Lord, and the Spirit of God would work. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We know Zechariah is really uh, a book of prophecy. It has a lot of prophecy in the book of, um, of Zechariah. Um, and, and actually, no, no book has more prophecy concerning Christ, Israel, and the nations such, in a such short span of time as the book of Zechariah. Um, even uh, the millennial reign of Christ, uh, we look at verse, with chapter 10, it talks about the dispersion and the gathering of Israel, it talks about the millennial reign of Christ, but I'm not, I'm just putting a disclaimer out there, I'm not really speaking about prophecy today, and I know this is talking about Israel in the future, and, but I've, I've, I just want to go over th- uh, three things today that I picked out here that Zechariah took note of who Christ was before Christ was even on earth and born. Um, but be, before we get there, look at verse 1. It says, Ask ye the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So the Lord shall uh, make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to everyone grass in the field. Do you notice that Zechariah here, there's, he, he's saying, uh, Lord, let it rain in the time of latter rain. We know that in Israel, they... They really do lack water. They get two significant rainfalls in, in, in the year, in the season. They get the spring rain and they get the latter rain. 
rain when uh, things are beginning to grow, and rain when things are beginning to need harvest. And Zechariah here, he's like, Lord, send the rain uh, in the time of the latter rain. In other words, when it starts to pour out, Lord, when it starts to water all the crops, uh, when, when everything gets well watered and there's water everywhere, send the, send the rain. Send the spiritual rain. And I thought that, that sure is a good prayer request for tonight, isn't it? For the Lord to send not only the physical rain, but we got enough uh, physical rain the past couple days, by the way. But the spiritual rain. We got a lot of rain the past few days. I've got a, a, a river. Well, I've got a, a ravine, a little brook in my backyard that turned into a river when the past rains. And I, I was amazed by what was in my backyard. And, and it was quickly changed because of the rain. We need to be a church that prays for the rain. I love that song, send the rain, send the flood, send the Holy Ghost in power. Um, he's saying here, and I'll read it once more, ask ye the Lord rain in the time of latter rain so the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to every one grass in the field. See, there's growth there. When rain comes, green begins to grow. And if we be a church that would so pray for the rain of God to shower this county, to shower this church, and to shower your life, you're gonna have growth. And isn't it encouraging when we see new growth? There's nothing like new growth. It's a special type of green, isn't it? Out there in your garden. I was, uh, on Monday, I had some extra time and I decided I'm gonna do some gardening. Uh, the, the, as you know, we just moved into a new home and the, the guy was a bit older and couldn't keep up with the garden. Things were growing up. I mean, I, I still have some weeds that are around this high. I didn't even know I had a bird feeder that was this high off the ground until I pulled out all the weeds. So I got to, I got to do some gardening in January, isn't that, isn't that, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> I had to pull out weeds, but I started to know stuff because of the, the water, things were growing. It was green. And uh, th these weeds that I thought were just come out easily didn't come out so easy. And so if, if we're well watered in the Lord, when the devil tries and pluck up, pluck you up and destroy you and tries to uh, wreck your ministries or whatever it may be, it's gonna be a little harder if you're well watered in the Lord. So we need to pray the Lord that he'll send down rain. And when uh, we, we pray, we need to believe that. <clears throat> there's a little, literal rain and there's a spiritual rain. There's, and it's God, what it really is, it's, it's God's outpouring that we need in our lives. Uh, look at verse two. For the idols have spoken vanity and the diviners have seen a lie. It, all, it, it, really, it really hasn't changed much, has it, in, the, in, our, in our society, in our, in our world, as far as a battle for truth. Uh, they have spoken lies. They have, what else does it say? They have told false dreams. They comfort in vain. Therefore, they, uh, uh, therefore, when their way, or, therefore, they went their way as a flock. They were troubled. Why were they troubled? Because there was no shepherd. And we know that Jesus in his life and in his ministry, uh, when he went up on that mountain that day and he looked down upon the people, the Bible says that he was moved. He was moved with compassion on them. Why? 
because they were a sheep having no shepherd. He looked at their life and he looked at the direction that they were headed and it moved him. It, 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 it really it broke his heart for, them to, for him to see the multitude of people there to see Jesus, but they weren't there to seek Jesus, if that makes sense. And there was no shepherd, therefore the people in this passage, they, they, they turned to idolatry. Verse three, mine anger was kindled against the shepherds. Wait a minute, didn't it say there was no shepherds? Now it's saying that my anger was kindled against the shepherds. There was no shepherds that were willing to shepherd. And you say, you say well, there's no one there to do this or that, but whether you like it or not, you're a shepherd. You're a shepherd. You're, in other words, you have an impact on somebody, no matter who you are. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a leader in a Sunday school class. Every single one of you have an impact and you have an influence on somebody. And so remember, be the right shepherd. The people, they fainted because they did not see the the proper shepherd. He wasn't there of use. Verse four. And this is what I really want to focus on this evening. Uh, Zechariah in verse four he, he sees uh, th- three things in Christ before Christ was even born uh, on earth. And uh, we'll read it here, verse four. Out of him came forth the corner. Out of him came the nail. Out of him came the battle bow. Out of him, every oppressor together. So he sees three things here. And the first thing is this. Our foundation. Zechariah sees that Christ is our foundation. Uh, Verse 4 says, Out of him came the corner. Now, notice uh, Zechariah doesn't say, Out of him came a corner, or out of him came one of the corners. Out of him came the corner. Christ is the cornerstone, He is the foundation, He is the hope, He is the one. He is the son of God. Um, He is the cornerstone. The cornerstone is placed in a building uh, structure where two walls meet together on a 90 degree angle. There was a wall in Judah and there was a wall in the 10 tribes. Here's the message to this. The message is that Christ will come to unite them permanently together. Okay, so that's one thought of Jesus being the corner. He's come to unite the tribes together. But far more uh, than just that, uh, a a more wonderful meaning than that is actually found in Isaiah 28, 16. And this is what it says. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious stone, a, 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 a sure foundation, he that believeth shall not make haste. So it's talking again about the foundation of Christ. It's talking about him being the, the, the cornerstone. And Paul and I went and did a nursing, nursing home uh, ministry today. We had a church service at Maple Lodge. Uh, who, who has been to Maple Lodge and the church service there? Raise your hand if you have attended in those days on Maple Street, Maple Lodge. All right, yeah, Maple, yeah. Maple Street, Bethel Baptist Church, the old location. Number of you. Well, do you know that house behind the church that hasn't changed since you moved from the church? That church, yeah. Well, 
right on the corner of that, what I would call the cornerstone of that house, is completely decayed. Uh, the eavesdrop, it's amazing what water damage does. I'm finding all this new stuff out about being a homeowner. Turn the lights off. Turn the heat down. Don't use any water. <laughs> and, uh, well, the water, the, um, the eavesdrop went right into where the cornerstone was of that house. And over years and years and years, it wasn't taken care of. And I mean that cornerstone, if you go there, it is about two feet decayed underneath the house. And in fact, I don't think there's anyone living there anymore, is there? Well, there was a couple months ago, but it got that bad. They had to kick him out. But Jesus is the ultimate cornerstone. He can't be decayed. You know, you can't knock, knock that cornerstone down. He is the chief cornerstone. And it describes the cornerstone here in Isaiah 28. It says, I lay in Zion a foundation, a stone. And I'm so glad today. One of the reasons why I'm glad I'm a Christian today is because I, I can place my life on a firm foundation. I don't know where I'd be without Christ. I don't know where, I, where my life would be. Like, how do people live without Christ? And they have no foundation. Just, they, they just I, I can't comprehend it. I can't comprehend it. But I'm glad that in Christ, I've got a solid foundation that is sure. And that's what it's saying. Uh, a, a foundation, a stone, and then it says, a tried stone. It's been tested. It's been proven. It's been tried and it is secure, a precious stone. It is worth so much. A sure foundation. I can place my trust in it. He that believeth shall not make haste. In other words, if you believe in God, and you've received Christ, and you know the foundation is sure, don't tiptoe on it. Get all in. Get involved. Uh, live your life on the foundation of Christ. I think about the CN, sorry, I'm having trouble with this thing. I think about the CN Tower. And you can get on the CN Tower, and there, there's, I don't know if, you've re, if any of you have recently been there, but I was there, I think, last year, and there's, there's a glass floor. But they actually, there's now, I think there's two, there's two glass floors now. And so you can be even higher up, and you could see the bottom. And it's funny, some of the people, they go there, and they, they, they tiptoe. You know, it can hold 10 elephants because they put 10, 10 elephants up there and they tested it, right? But it can hold the weight of 10 elephants or something like that is what they said. But yet people tiptoe on it. And then you get another kid on there, one of the students, and they, just, they jump on it and scare the kid. But listen, you don't have to tiptoe on the foundation of God. I mean, you can get involved and you can know that he's going to hold you. And it's a tested and it's a tried and it's a precious foundation. <clears throat> don't make haste. Some other scripture to match, match Christ as the foundation, uh, our foundation, is 1 Corinthians 3.11. It says, For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2.20, And they are built upon the foundations of the apostle and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Luke 20.17, And they beheld them and said, what is this then that is written? The stone which the builders rejected, the same is become the head of the corner. <clears throat> so Christ, not only uh, in becoming our cornerstone, united or will unite the tribes, he uh, is the chief foundation to our lives even today. 
Let's turn to uh, Ephesians chapter number 2. Talking about uniting and, and what Christ, and how does that apply to us today? Well, look at <clears throat> verse 12. Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse 12. It says, At that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. Now look at this. Who hath bro- uh, hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us having abolished in the flesh the enmity. Now that first enmity is not the same enmity as in verse 16. The first enmity is with man. See, when Christ came, he, he, he took away that, that middle wall. He took away that divide between the Jew and the Greek. And he made both one. But not only did he do that with man, he did it with God in verse 16. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. That was with God. He made, he, he made it so you can be right with God. And you can be right with man. So, Isaiah having, or Zechariah, having never seen Christ, having never known the New Testament, realizes God is our, corner, our cornerstone. He is our foundation. Secondly, he realizes that Christ is our faith. Now look at, go back to our passage of scripture in Zechariah 10 and look at verse four. For out of him came forth the corner. And then it says, out of him the nail. Out of him the nail. Now this nail means a stake or a tent peg. It was used to fasten down a tent securely to the ground. So example, in the wilderness, the Israelites used tent pegs to prevent the tabernacle from taking off in the wind. They had to nail it down deep into the the ground, uh, into the desert sand. The Bible is saying he's our nail. So what what is Zechariah meaning when he says he is our nail? He's saying he's our faith. Not only is he our foundation, but he's our faith. I mean, he's the one that keeps us where we should be. Uh, by faith, uh, we must believe that we are rooted in Christ. <clears throat> He's the nail. Christ is pictured as the nail or the tent peg, the one who holds down our life's fort. He's got everything under control. In other words, he can hold the fort down. He can hold your life's fort down. I don't know, uh, out, of a, out of all the people here, I don't know what you're going through, but I do want you to know this. He's got your fort under control. He can hold the fort down. And he, he's, he's the nail. Christ, the tent peg. Uh, another application to this is uh, women, women also, uh, in the, these tents, they would use the tent peg, and it's said that some of them would hang jewelry on it. Other men would also hang their valuables upon it. But look at what Isaiah 22, 30, uh, 22, 23 says. It says this, I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place, and he shall be a glorious throne to my father's house. 
And we know that, that because of Calvary, we know because of the nails and because of the crown and the thorns and Christ fully went to the cross that we ha- now have great possession in heaven because of what Christ has done to those who have come to him. So he was our foundation. He's our faith. And what else does he, uh, Zechariah notice him as? Thirdly and lastly is he's our defender. Look at what verse four says. Out of him came forth the corner, out of him the nail, and out of him the battle bow. Out of him every oppressor together. Out of him the battle bow. He realized that Christ, when he comes, he's our defender. He's our warrior, our conqueror. Every enemy will one day be put to silence. Did you know that? There's coming a day when Christ, the first time that Christ comes, in fact, you could look at Zechariah 9, verse 9, and it says this. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just, having salvation, lowly, riding upon an ass, upon the colt of the foal of an ass. This is his first event. Christ came, meek and lowly. He came into Jerusalem upon a donkey, a sign of peace, his first event. But when he comes again, Christ is coming again, and it's coming. It really is. Comfort one another with these words about the coming of Christ. And, but when he comes again, he's not going to be on a donkey. He's going to be on a white horse. He's going to be executing judgment on the earth. Therefore, we must pray, Lord, send the rain before it's too late. There's coming a day when the, when, when the devil will be defeated. And there's coming a day when, when all the oppressors will cease. But we must ask for God to send the rain. Psalm Psalm 145 and verse 5 says this. Thine arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. Wherefore the people fall under thee. A just man falls seven times and rises up again. But when the wicked fall, they fall into mischief. Therefore we must pray. The Lord will send the rain. The Lord will send the rain. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you to help us, Lord. Be concerned, uh, Lord, about your coming. We ask you, Lord, to be, for us to be concerned th- about the rain, about the outpouring of the Spirit, about people getting saved before it's too late. We ask God that you'd burden our hearts for this. We ask God that you'd give us a Holy Spirit drive to desire to reach the lost, to desire to see the work of God go forward, not only in this county, but in our hearts, Lord. We pray for the rain, Lord. We pray for revival. Pray that you'd help us. In Jesus' name, amen.